0: Today, on The Winning Walk, with Dr. Ed Young. The burden is on those who are in Christ genuinely. What, how do you get over a nightmare? You wake up. That's what you do. You wake up. And that's what we must do as members of the family of God. The truth is, Jesus was a politician in the purest sense of the word. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young shares his message, Wake Up, and reveals that politics is about relationships. And as a Christian, you are to be about relationships just like Jesus was. His words will encourage you to be engaged in politics for God's glory. So stick around. Dr. Ed Young with today's message Wake Up. Jesus was a great politician with a pure definition because he was in the relationship business, was he not? He established where you and I can have a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. He established where we can have a good relationship with ourselves. He established where we can have a relationship with others. So Jesus was a divinely appointed given politician in the purest sense of the word. Why has the church been asleep in this critical moment of history? It has happened before. You look at the book of Revelation. You see there in chapter number three Jesus is writing to the church and he's writing to various churches, seven of them to be exact. And he comes to the church at Sardis and it sounds like the modern church in America today. Look at what he says. I know your deeds and you have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent, and if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. To the church at Sardis, he says to all the churches today, wake up, wake up. The church in history many times did not wake up. And therefore, we ask the question, why has the church, the total body of Christ, basically been asleep? What has happened to us? What what took place? First of all, I would say there's a misunderstanding of church and state. And I've dealt with this many times, but you need to hammer this in your mind. It's an idea that somehow the church could be separated from the state, and therefore the church needs to be silent, particularly in the area of politics, when Jesus was the consummate politician that dealt relationships, but the church had been silent. When there is a vacuum, what happens? Nature abhors a vacuum and something fills in. Look at Korea today. South Korea is the most Christian nation in the world. North Korea, you go there and try to build a church, try to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, it would not be tolerated. Look at nations around the world. Freedom of religion is long since gone to the Muslim countries and many Western countries. There's this wall of separation of church and state. In the United States, we see it standing. What has the church done? I thought about the story of the news reporter who went into a bar and he had his mic with him and a good old boy Redneck was down there in happy hour. You know, one of these guys who uh, know everything and are street corner philosophers and cowboys and he was drinking from a mug over there and the reporter went over there and said, could I ask you a question? He said, shoot, just ask me anything. He took another gulp and the cameraman was there and put the mic in front of him, he said, what are the two biggest problems in America? And he said, <laughs> took another drag and said, I don't know and I don't care. He said, it's amazing, you got both of them right in the first that question. <laughs> Apathy, asleep, at ease in Zion would be the biblical terminology for it. We don't understand separation church and state Get this, get this once and for all. I've dealt with it many times standing right in this place. The idea that there is a wall between church and state, the way it is interpreted by left-wing progressives is totally inaccurate. You do not find that phrase in the Constitution, the bylaws, or any of our foundational documents. Where did it come from? When Thomas Jefferson was elected president, most of the Christians in the colonies opposed him. They said he was not a Christian, which was right. At best, he was a deist. But all the Baptists voted for him, interesting. All the other Christian denominations voted against him, but Jefferson was elected. And therefore, after he was elected, a little Baptist association in Danbury, Connecticut, wrote him a letter of congratulations and they said, Mr. President, we hope you will stop the establishment of religion in all of the colonies. Now, what does that mean? In Connecticut then, the official religion of the state was the Congregational Church and many of the colonies had their own particular denomination or abomination in which they encouraged all people and they got preferential treatment from the state government, from the, from the college, you got it? And they were writing saying, we hope this will not happen, and Jefferson wrote a letter and said, there is a wall of separation, paraphrase, between the church and the state, and the state should never give preference or establish any religion in and of itself. We have freedom of all religions, and not freedom from religion, as some would have it interpreted in order to silence the church. So understand is a misunderstanding of the separation of church and state that has kept a lot of the churches from saying, well, we can't deal in politics. Also, there's a misunderstanding of the gospel. In the NRB meeting in Washington, National Religious Broadcasters had a convention And one of the prominent Bible-preaching, teaching individuals on television, I'll not call his name. All of you would know him. Prominent. This person really seeks to teach the Bible. And he said to a group in the NRB convention, he is not going to speak on anything controversial in order to preach the gospel. Now, I was stunned at that. And I would ask anybody, what in the world do you think the gospel is? First, there is bad news, and then there is good news. The gospel is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish and will have everlasting life. That's the gospel, but the gospel 3.17 is the other side of it for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be salvaged, it might be saved. We receive Christ, and then we get involved in the affairs of the world in the name of our Lord and Savior, led by his Spirit. We have had a misunderstanding of the gospel, a misunderstanding of church and state. Finally, we've had a misunderstanding of Jesus. They said, well, Jesus was just love. He was so nice. He said, suffer little children to come unto me. Unless you have the faith of a child, you'll never get to heaven yourself. Oh, Jesus was totally love. We see that there, don't we? What about Jesus going into the temple on two occasions and taking all the Pharisees and Sadducees who were exploiting the people, and money changers, con artists, and he turned over those tables and took a whip and drove, was he that the same Jesus of love? That you find the Jesus of love, little children? Absolutely, because we misunderstood what biblical Christian love is all about. It's a misunderstanding of Jesus. What did Jesus tell us that we're to do? What are we to be like? What are the metaphors used? We're to be salt, we're to be light, we're to be water. We're to be bread, we're to be leaven, we're to be a key. What word describes all of those metaphors that Jesus said you and I are to be? The word is penetration. Salt has to penetrate the food to give it taste. Light has to penetrate the darkness to eliminate it. Water has to penetrate all of our being in order to keep us alive. A key penetrates a lock. The leaven gets into the bread in order of it to rise up. You see, the key word, we are assigned to penetrate, and we're to penetrate every area of society. We misunderstood Jesus. So, the church has been silent, misunderstood the meaning of separation of church and state, and then we look, we say the church has not understood the gospel, and the church has not understood Jesus. And then what happens? We have forgotten the three basic institutions God and Christ established. Three basic institutions. I want you to look at them with me in the book of Colossians chapter number one. In other words, God said all of the world is to be founded on these three institutions and look at what the institutions are. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's referenced back to Genesis, the establishment of the family, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And he says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created, through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is the government. God in Christ created the family, he created government, and finally he created the church. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. God has taken his power and he has given it, to the family, he's given it, handed it right down to the government, and he's handed it to the church. And each one of those have job description in the Bible, how they ought to function. The family is a basic institution of society. God invented marriage, male and female. Leave, cleave, one flesh, no shame. He invented marriage. And then in Deuteronomy chapter six, he gives a formula for it, he talks about First of all, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5, Deuteronomy 6, that is the Shema, in which he told the head of the family to meet every day, and when you wake up, when you go to sleep, when they go out the door, you teach your children. You live it, and you teach it, and that's the job description for the family. And then he gives a job description for the church. And this is where we have messed up, is the role of the church. In the 21st century. Now, Norm Mason gave me this term, it's not original, and he says, What is the purpose of the church? You know what it is? Well, you remember the church. What's the purpose of the church? It is to fulfill the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is mentioned by Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead. Five different times. You know, when Jesus mentioned five things, something five times, after God had raised him from the dead, do you think that's important? You know, do you think it has significance? He is saying simply to you and to me, we are to carry out the great commission. Go ye therefore into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them, and they the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you right to the end of the world. What's he saying? The first thing he's saying, we are to baptize, we are to win. That's the part of the gospel. The second thing is we are to teach, and that's the function of the church, and we are to become, get this phrase, get this phrase, great commission citizens. In other words, this is our purpose, and we're to penetrate all of society. These three institutions he has delegated authority to. The family has a function. The government has a function. Read the government's function in Romans chapter 13. It says clearly, the government has the power of the sword. And by the way, just parenthetically, do you realize if the American citizens would simply and plainly Obey what the people in blue tell us to do. 99% of all the junk that we have would be done away with. Just (laughs) obey. You say, well, there's some rotten apples, but there are one in a million who wear the blue and seek to protect us every day. I am 100% for those who enforce the law. So here we are. Delegate authority to the family, the father, the mother, what they are to build in their kids, the kind of home it should be. Delegated authority to the government. They're to carry the sword. We are to be obedient. We're to be citizens. And delegated authority to the church, and this is where the church needs to stand up and be counted. Ladies and gentlemen, you realize that we are so much like Nazi Germany? Well, that's so much, so hard to say. When Adolf Hitler took power, he brought together 18,000 leaders of the biblical churches of Germany, 18,000 of them. And he promised them they'd be freedom and independence and they'd be able to worship and do wherever. As a result of that, Neil Martin Neil Muller went out and spoke to Hitler afterwards and said that look, the role of the church and we cannot support that direction in which you're leading Germany. In that conversation, Hitler responded to him and said, you're a pastor, you take care of the church and I'll take care of the people. That's exactly what we're hearing. you take care of the church, and we in the government take care of the people. Remember the bottom line of all this? One nation under God, we are under the administration today, they wanted to be one nation under the state. You take care of the, you do you baptize, you preach, you be nice, you be kind, you help people, you love one another, but my goodness, don't get in the business of the people. Don't get in the political area in the sense that we have defined it. 18,000 pastors were present, 18,000. And 3,000 of them opposed Adolf Hitler. Another 3,000 joined in. And by the way, I would guess that three-fourths of the churches that go by name of church today has already joined into the woke agenda. I think I can prove that, about three-fourths. And in, in there in Germany, 3,000 opposed him, 3,000 were for him, and there were 12,000 who said, you know, we're just not gonna do anything. We're just gonna sit by and play our hymns and do our carols and talk about everybody coming to Jesus. We're not gonna get out in that dirty, slimy area of politics and we've abdicated our role and we are not becoming as we must become great commissioned citizens because out there we have a chance to give our witness for Christ. That's who we are. That's what we must become. If we do not, ladies and gentlemen, America is gone and the world is gone. The burden is on those who are in Christ genuinely. My brothers and my sisters, ladies and gentlemen, down the road in history, if we see the devastation of the Judeo-Christian culture which we've established in the Western world in America, you and I, those who are alive, will hear a whistle and remember perhaps how we did not take the challenge of the hour and stand and engage the godless culture in which we find ourselves. We'll hear that whistle. What's the answer? What, how do you get over a nightmare? You wake up. That's what you do. You wake up. And that's what we must do as members of the family of God. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.